0: The Fake Show is brought to you by Threads of Envy, the law firm of Hutchison & Stefan, the Craft House Brewery, the Tone Factory Recording Studio, Moonshot.com T-Shirt Designs, and by Mr. Antenna. It's The Fake Show with Jim Tofty. Well, Cheap Trick is as busy as ever touring and recording after their recent Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction. Their former drummer, Bunny Carlos, is also very busy, just having released his solo album, Greetings from Bunny Zuela. We'll talk about that And some of his future collaborators Please welcome to the fake show Bunny Carlos Hey
1: Jim, how's it
0: going? How you doing Bunny? Great to talk to you And and I guess I first have to congratulate you On being inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame That had to be kind of a surreal evening for you Oh,
1: that's pretty cool, yeah I never that was going to
0: happen. The other thing that I guess a lot of us didn't know whether it would happen or not is that you got to go up on stage and play with the guys, and everybody seemed to be very cordial on that evening.
1: Yeah, we were all, a nice, nice warm day. Went
0: well. Was there any rehearsal there, or, or did you just basically do a sound check and you were right back in the saddle again? Yeah,
1: we did a sound check in the afternoon. We ran over each song once or twice, so it was very difficult.
0: Yeah, after all those years, right? Yeah, yeah. How did the idea for the solo album come up?
1: Well, I talked about it for a few decades, and then I you know, got around <laughs> to it, and when, when the Hall of Fame called, seemed like a good time to put one out. I heard Chief Kirk was putting theirs out, so I thought that'd be a good time to do mine, too.
0: And you really enlisted some great vocal talent, like uh, Dave Perner of Soul Asylum and and your pal, Taylor Hanson. I really liked Tinted Windows, and I'm hoping that there is a future Tinted Windows project. Is that the case?
1: Yeah, I did a gig with Fountains of Wayne a couple years ago. I subbed for their drummer, and uh, Adam said, uh, you want to do it again? And I said, yeah, let's get the songs together. He said, yeah, they got to do some writing first, so that's what we're waiting on.
0: So the song that Taylor does on your solo album is Him or Me by Paul Revere and the Raiders. I listened to it a couple of days ago. Really sounds nice, and I'm sure that the Raiders would be a very proud of it as well.
1: Good live. I saw him back in back when that was a single, and uh, I sent the song to Taylor after he do it, and uh, came back with all three Hanson brothers on it, so I kind of got uh, triple my value. On <laughs> there. It sounds great.
0: What was the process like for recording? I mean, for that song in particular, you you sent stuff to them and then they sent it back to you.
1: Yeah, I, I sent I sent Hanson the track, and the same with Dave Purner and Alex Dezen. But uh, most of the time, I'd have the, the singers there in Chicago, come by the studio, and we'd uh, have a band there, and we'd, we'd do the whole thing in one day.
0: I read that you uh, were very pleased by the vocals of, of everybody to the point where you wouldn't have actually minded doing a whole album with each one of them.
1: Yeah, well, you know, having done that with Taylor, that would be a, that would be an easy one to do again, and, uh, and uh, all the singers that are on the record are well-represented in my record collection, and we've toured together, and I know these guys, and uh, yeah, the stuff sounds great. I mean, Having had the time and budget, I would have flown these guys in and uh, done multiple stuff with them, spent days and days in the studio with them instead of like, one day for each time. You know?
0: Would you be doing the album live with all of your collaborators at some point in the future?
1: Well, we've got one gig booked for Chicago. We've got about half the singers coming in. Uh, the cost of flying these guys in and putting them up and uh, feeding them and taking care of them. I, I'd need to be playing amphitheaters to be to get everybody on
0: <laughs> As far as the early Cheap Trick albums, how much did you enjoy working with George Martin on the All Shook Up album?
1: Oh, George and Jeff Emmerich, who engineered it, they were a pleasure to work with. George, George went up to Madison, Wisconsin for pre-production, and uh, he'd sit, we'd play him a song, and, you know, well, oh, we could change this chord, or I could do a string party, he have comments and suggestions, and he was a true gentleman to work with, and, the best part was getting all these great sounds that, you know, stuff like we heard on Beatle records. We want to get this bass to sound like rain or, you know, can we get this drum sound a little different? And they would just go in and dial it right in. So it was kind of like, you know, working with your heroes. It was pretty cool.
0: Yeah, did you find yourself high-fiving the other guys, sometimes thinking, we're working with George Martin here?
1: Yeah, basically, you know, basically that. It was really cool.
0: What do you recall about working, kind of doing like a side project on the double fantasy sessions with John Lennon?
1: Jack called me, and about a month later, in June of 1980, and about a month later called up and said, bring Rick. And uh, John played us uh, played us an acoustic version of his song. I said, you know, do you guys have an arrangement? Can you come up with an arrangement for this? Yeah. Uh, we haven't been able to really, you know, like he said they had not been able to really come up with anything workable, and me and Rick listened to it a couple times, and put up a working arrangement of it, and sat down with the guys, and uh, we cut the track live with Leonard in the studio, and, and we did the same thing for a Yoko tune, too, and uh, it was fun. It was a fun hang that day. Uh, I didn't think I'd be talking about it 40 or 45 years later, and uh, every year I do interviews about it.
0: Was he familiar with you guys? Or did he say anything about your work at that time?
1: Well, when we in the room and he was in there they said uh john this is uh bunny carlos and rick nielsen he goes you're the guys from cheap trick he said uh they told me your names but they didn't tell me what band you were in so he he was was familiar with us when we got there yeah
0: and correct me if i'm wrong but wasn't the live at budokan album supposed to be released only in japan
1: yeah it was uh yeah it was just going to be japan only so you know we we said okay we will approve this cover and tom and robin they hated the record cover. They thought they looked like midgets on there, or whatever that would mean. And uh, the basic reply was, well, don't worry about it, you know. It's just only coming out in Japan. No one's ever going to see it or anything. It'll it'll come and go, you know, in a few months, and uh, it'll be something the hardcore collector seeks out to buy, you know, as an import. And it uh, didn't turn out that way, and uh, thank goodness, you know, because it really did well for us.
0: Where did the corner get turned on that where it would actually be released here in America then?
1: Well, it came out in Japan, I think, in about September or October 1978, and uh, it started getting imported over here, and uh, after about 50,000 copies got imported, and it was like a world's record for Japan imports at that time, the label said, look, how about if we put out a few of these tracks on a disc, and we'll just send it to radio stations, you know, for airplay, and uh, then we'll get Dream Police out, you know, or 7 Tonight, or whatever was coming next, I think it was Dream Police, and uh, yeah. we said, sure, and... Radio. They sent a seven-song sampler to a radio station, and that thing just took off. And uh, a few months after that, we left the country for sixty days to tour. And they said, "Yeah, we'll put this out while you're gone, and then uh, when you come back, you know, we'll get Dream Police out there, and everything will get back on schedule." So we said, "Yeah, that's fine."
0: Yeah, because Dream Police was ready to go, wasn't it? And it, it ended up being delayed a little bit.
1: Yeah, I was in the can. We ended up delaying in about nine months, which back then was forever, you know, because you used to put out an album every year at least. so.
0: I'm sure you're like every other kid of our generation and you wanted to play once you had heard Elvis and the Beatles, you know, the whole Ed Sullivan thing.
1: Yeah, Ed Sullivan did it for me. I was about 12 years old and that was it.
0: Was drums the first thought for you or, or was it any other instruments?
1: I played French horn in the school band because they didn't need any drummers and. I taught myself to play piano, and uh, when I saw the Beatles on TV, there was no question. I had to get some drums. That's that's what I wanted to play. Uh, my mom went to Nielsen's music store to buy a snare drum, and uh, they sold her a whole set of drums, so it turned out good for me.
0: You don't by any chance have that drum set, do you?
1: Oh, yeah, I saved it.
0: You do? Wow.
1: Full of holes, and I put extra <laughs> mounts on it, and did this, and did that, and you know, a piece fell off, or something like that, but... I still got them sitting out in my my barn where I keep my gear.
0: Oh, that is really cool. Where do you live right now? Do you live in Chicago, or...?
1: I live about 80 miles west in Rockford, Illinois.
0: Now, when you were a kid, what were some of the cooler concerts that you saw in the Midwest?
1: I saw it 1965. I saw the Stones and the Beatles and the Dave Clark Five and the Beach Boys, and probably those four bands kind of got me going in the direction I ended up and... uh, few years later, you know, here comes Hendrix and Cream and The Who and stuff when I was about 16 and 17. So uh, it was prime time for going to see rock bands. I'd I'd take the bus into Chicago and, uh, and find out where the gig's at, you know, buy a ticket through the mail, do stuff like that.
0: Well, it's Bunny Carlos's debut album, The Greetings from Venezuela. It's out now with guests from Wilco, Soul Asylum, Hanson. It really sounds good. Listen to a couple of cuts. And it sounds like you're very busy. Continued future great success. Thanks, Jim. All right, buddy. Nice to talk to you. Cool.
1: I'll be talking you. Thanks a lot.
0: That parting of the ways between Cheap Trick and Bunny Carlos hasn't really slowed him down at all. In fact, he's busier than ever. Well, that's it for another edition of The Fake Show. I'm Jim Tofte, and I'll talk to you next time. Take The Fake Show with you at thefakeshow.com, SoundCloud, and at iTunes.